We'll begin in verse 1. The word of the Lord came unto me again, saying, What mean ye that you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and their children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, saith the Lord God, you shall not have occasion any more to use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also is the soul of the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for this beautiful service. Thank you, Lord God, for all that you've done already through worship. Thank you for what you're going to do through the word of the Lord. Open our hearts. Let us open our hearts. Anoint our minds and our spirits to receive your word. Help us, O oh God, to embrace it, to apply it, to respond to it. Lord, these that are sick today, Stephanie Barnett, we pray for divine healing, God, that would touch this sickness that has attacked her body. We pray, O oh God, for Brother Tony Touchton, God, for complete healing for those that are out with COVID. God, we we pray for healing in their lives. We pray for Sister Lee, God, just to intervene in her health and her situations. God, Brother Thrasher today, God, Brother Billy Miller, we pray for each and every one of these and all, God, that needs a touch of your healing. We pray it in thy name today. And everybody say in Jesus' name, you can be seated. Praise God. Well, thank you so much, Brother Miller. Um, I don't know what this is going to be today, if you're going to call it teaching, preaching, or treaching. Isn't that right, Brother Treach? Amen. Brother Treach says he always treaches. Amen. It's good to see him able to be in the house of the Lord recovering from his accident. I want to title this this morning, Breaking the Unwanted Cycles. Breaking the the unwanted cycles. We all have unwanted cycles in our life. Amen. I'll prove the point to a lot of us. It's called weight loss and weight gain back. Someone was talking the other day about all about the weight they had lost, and we were celebrating and rejoicing over their 80 pounds that they had lost. I said, man, that's incredible. But you know what? I've lost over 450 pounds. And they looked at me kind of funny. Like, I could read their mind almost. I don't recall ever you being that big or seeing any pictures of you. I said, well, you, when I count all the times I lost and I took that amount of weight, it probably goes beyond that. So cycles is similar uh, you know, we all have cycles, whether it be trying to lose weight, gain back, lose weight, gain back. You know, we do good for a little while, and then we don't do so good. You know, we're doing good through August, September, October, and then November and December gets here. I mean, it's just so unfair. Those months have to be in the calendar, you know, because all comes with it is these big, wonderful meals that we have to eat. Oh, Hallelujah. The word cycle means, or cycles, is a series of events 
that are regularly repeated in the same order. Ever felt like you're caught in a trap of cycles? Cycles that you just could not seem to break free of. You do good for a little while, then it slips back. We improve. We take steps up the ladder. Then all of a sudden, one day, we just slide right all the way back down the ladder. Amen. And, and it's these things that get us discouraged because we've tried so often to break that cycle, saying, I'm done with that. I'm going to have victory over that, only to see it show back up again. And before long, we begin the journey of the improvement. There's this voice that keeps saying, yeah, here comes another cycle. You know how this is going to end, so why even bother? Hello, somebody. And so that discourages us and often may prevent somebody from even making a genuine effort. But I want to encourage us today that we can break the unwanted cycles. There are things in our life that we don't have to feel bound to. We don't have to feel like we're bent in that direction, if you will. We don't have to feel like we don't have the strength, the ability, or the courage, or the help to overcome it. But I want to preach to us today or teach to us that there is victory. There is a way to break those cycles. There's a way to close the door on them. There's a way to put history books or put them in the file and put them in history books. There is a way that we can finalize and never go back to the cycles. In fact, we'll start new cycles. Hey, we'll do away with old cycles and we'll create new cycles. Oh, praise God. And I'm not talking about tricycles. Amen. Anybody ever felt like you maybe rode a roller coaster? I mean, it's aggravating. It's so frustrating to try and only slip again. Sometimes maybe it's a family history. Some, as the Bible would call it, generational curses. And they're there. Hello? But we're not bound to that. We are affected by it. We may have brought up under the influence of it. It may have helped shape our thinking, affected our faith and our outlook on life. It may help create the arena that we grow up in and the atmosphere that we are surrounded with. But it will not dictate the choices that we have the opportunity to make. We, yes, we lean to that direction. And we may navigate to that area automatically because it's all that we know. It's all that we've seen. But I want to preach to somebody today that is not your destiny. You are not bound by those influences. You are not bound by by those curses, but there is a hope. Well, praise God. It was Hank Williams Jr. who wrote the song. Hank, why do you drink? Or why do you smoke? However it goes, why do you roll smoke? I had these words in my mind, they left me. Hank, why do you drink? Why do you smoke? Why must you live out the songs that you wrote? His reply was, if I get stoned and drink all night long, it's a family tradition. Man, there's a lot of folks who love that song because they could relate to it. Hello? I could relate to it. I grew up.
alcohol. I grew up being taken to the houses where my daddy partied. I remember those times when at 12 years of age, daddy slipped me a, a pint of whiskey at a party and said, here you go. And he got me drunk for the first time. I remember all those times and the fights and the fussing and all the times dad would run somebody off the road and jerk them out of a car. I grew up watching all of that. So that's all I knew about life. I didn't know how to treat a lady. I seen how he treated my mom. So, of course, I've never treated a lady like he treated my mom now. But I did go in the pathway of those things, of drugs and alcohol, and because that was the atmosphere. It's what I grew up doing on the riverbanks. It's all that I knew to do, basically. But can I tell you, you know the rest of the story. We're not bound by those traditions. But the devil wants to tell us a lie. That's what you watched growing up. That's the generational curse you've got bound with. And you're, 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 your life is dictated by it. You've been handed a bad deck of cards. And you're just going to have to survive the best way you can. I got good news for you today. That is not the end of your story. Now, let me share realities. Hank was right to a degree. It can become a family tradition. It can become because that's the way they did it. It can become that's because all we've ever known. Because that is the influence. It creates desire. People begin to enjoy it. I remember some of the best times I had on the riverbank was listening to the drunks Talk crazy and laugh and cut up. Come on, somebody. Now, I know better now, but I didn't then. I thought, man, this is living right here till I had my first hangover. Till I got thrown in jail one day, one day. Come on, somebody. I remember growing up, there was a man who came to our home quite often. I remember hearing about his dad, knew his dad at a distance. His name was Liam Sullivan. You'd have had to know Lim Sullivan, and you'd have had to heard the stories about him. But he would drink shoe polish if that's all he could get. He would drink Dr. Tishner's, and there's another, I forget the name of the other one, they would buy at the local store. And he would drink moonshine. He'd drink anything that he could to get drunk, to get alcohol in his system. They'd find him. His wife rarely knew where he was at. They'd find him in ditches. They'd find him out in the hog pen. And there are stories that were told about Lim Sullivan. He had a son that frequented our house that were good friends with my dad. His name was Charlie Sullivan. And I'd laugh as a kid because he, he could tell the funniest things and everybody would just burst out in laughter and he had the craziest ways when he was intoxicated. And Daryl was normally with him when he would come. Daryl was a year older than I. And then Charlie died at a fairly young age, I think, in his 50s. But I kind of grew up with Daryl, and Charlie was always the drunk. I'm not being derogatory. I'm being just plain spoken. But Daryl became the drunk. So it went from Liam to Charlie to Daryl. And they had a lot of the same personality about them. They would just make everybody laugh, but... Their life was no joking matter. It was brokenness. It was impoverty. 
It was through hardships. It was through break, broken bodies of car wrecks. It was through living through major hardships of life. But it, but it all was brought on because one passed it to the other with influence and, and, and with that environment and that encouragement to be a part and making it look so good. I'm sure that Charlie Sullivan thought this is a generational curse. I, I'm going to be a drunk just like my daddy was a drunk. And I'm sure that Daryl thought this is a generational curse. I'm just a drunk like my daddy and my granddaddy was a drunk. But can I tell you that, that Charlie Sullivan wasn't the only son of Liam Sullivan, but he had another son named Jerry Sullivan, and Jerry Sullivan never tasted of alcohol. He seen what it done to his mama. He seen what it done to his daddy. He saw what it done to his brother and some of his other families. He watched all that take place. He got the Holy Ghost at an early age. He lived for God. He pastored churches. He went out of the hospitals every day almost, visiting people, getting to know the community, and he's a retired, renowned man of God in this hour. And two weeks ago, we went to Holly Springs. Those of us were able to go, and we listened to his son, Tim Sullivan, as he taught on church growth. And Tim has raised his family in church. You know what? There was a Jerry Sullivan that says, I'm not bound by that. I don't have to be bent in that direction. I don't have to live that life because there is another church. And there's scripture for that. The scripture text that I read today said, The word of the Lord came to me again saying, What mean ye? Why are you using this proverb, basically, concerning the land of Israel, saying, Their fathers have eaten sour grapes, and their children's teeth are set on the edge. Don't use this proverb any longer because that's not that's not going to dictate people's lives. And he goes on to say, just as the, the soul of the father's mind, so is the soul of the son is mine. What he's saying is that a Proverbs is saying whatever their fathers have done that has eaten sour grapes, that has called hardships in their life, I want you to know their children's teeth are not set on the edge. Their children are not just waiting to grab a hold of the same grape. Their children are not bound by the choices of their father. He said, here's why. Because everybody's got a soul, and that soul gets to make his own decision. That soul belongs to me. It is not bound by the mistakes of a father or a grandfather. Hello, somebody. I want to preach to somebody today that God wants to break the cycle that you feel bound by. What happened to your daddy and how your daddy lived or your mama lived, you are not bound to walk in the same path. Shake that lie off of you. Here's a word of God for you. You are not set on the edge Hello, somebody. You have a choice. You have a choice. You can make the right choices for your family. You can make right choices for your health. You can make right choices for your life. I can just see God telling Ezekiel, we got to end something right here. For people getting bought into that. I can see it just making God angry. Hello? Because people are being raised and being told, yeah, your father ate sour grapes and your teeth are set on the edge. That proverb saying you don't have a choice. You're going to be just like your daddy. You're going to be just like your grandpa. Hello? You're going to be just like your mama. I've watched young girls grow up through high school and in life that their 
parents made bad choices. Their, their moms or their dads bounced from one relationship to the other. And people scratched their heads and said, will they ever learn? You ever known anybody that way? Hello, somebody. And then I've watched it, their children do the same thing. Why? It's because they have fell into that lie. This is all I've ever known. This is, this is what my last name is. This is what we do. I remember Don Clyburn. He went on. He's, he's dead. He died a few weeks, uh, a few months ago in a car accident. I won him to the Lord. He backslid three years later. And he would just tell me, he said, I'm a Clyburn. And this is what Clyburns do. He said, I inherited this. This is genetic. I said, that's a lie from the pits of hell, Don. You can't inherit alcohol alcoholism through your bloodstream you may have chemical dependence or imbalance rather but you are not bound by a sin of this world you are not born with that come on somebody I say Don don't buy into that don't believe that that is just a lure of hell trying to tell you you don't have a choice I come to tell you today the word of the Lord said your soul belongs to God if you listen if you call on him he will listen if you cry out to him he will help well, I guess I'm going to preach. Now maybe I'll teach you a little bit. We're not bound by that. I've watched people in church, and I'm going to get to some points here in a minute, where their lifestyle of, I'm going to call it heckle and jive spirit, jekyll and hive, whatever they are. Spirit, yeah. Where they live one way at church and another way somewhere else. Come on, we're going to get real. Where they're all this at church and they'll stay in positions and they'll keep doing all these things, but they live in a life over here different. And I watched it follow through the family. Hello. Through the years I grew up in it and seen it. Now that's a minority. That's a small, so don't get don't don't get negative. Don't think I'm getting negative. That's reality, because that was the influence. But I've also seen some of those children say, "I'm not going to live that way." I'm going to be true. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to take it serious because we can't live one way one day or one way in church and be another way. Oh, praise God! Well, Samson. Everybody say Samson. Samson had a problem. Samson had a cycle in his life, and it was called strange women. And that word strange don't mean weird. That means they were not his, the ones chosen for him. And he was warned to stay away from them. His parents said in Judges chapter 14 and verse 3, if you'll throw that on the screen right quick. Thank you, Sister Tiffany. You do a great job. Then his father and his mother said to him, Is there never? Hello? Can you hear their tone there? Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among my people? You know why they said, Is there never? Because he never went that direction. He always went against the grain. He always began to look in all the wrong places for his, his relationships or his interests. And thou goest and taketh a wife from the uncircumcised, the Philistines. And Samson said to them, his father, gather. I, I can't read that well. Get her 
for me, for she pleaseth me well. See, it wasn't about what's right. It was about what pleased him. Come on, somebody. It wasn't about the right thing to do. He didn't deny knowing the right thing. He didn't deny that he, what he should have been doing. He never rebuttaled that statement. He just simply said, go get her for me because she pleases me. Can I tell you the number one mistakes we're going to make uh, is going to get us there when it's what pleases us. Uh, and we go with that over what we know is right. And we've all been guilty of it. Come on, somebody. We've all went down that road. We've all made that bad choice. Uh, but can I tell you, we don't have to live that. We don't have to do like Samson and keep going over the cycles. He married a woman from Timnah. He then went with a harlot of Gaza. Then he fell in love with Delilah. And the sad thing is, he never broke the cycle until the cycle broke him. Can I tell us today, we don't have to be broken by the cycle, but we can rise up, square our shoulders, lean into that situation and say, you know what? I'm not going to be broken. I'm not going to end up like Samson ended up, but I want to break this cycle before it breaks me. I've seen the cycle break people time and time again. I've went to funerals. I've known them throughout their life, and they never broke the cycle. They fell into that cycle over and over and over and over again until it destroyed them. We need to break the cycle that's breaking us. Come on, I'm preaching from a pastor's heart today. I don't know what your cycle is, but we've all got cycles if we're not careful. But here's what is happening. All the while we're in that cycle, it's breaking down some things in our life. It's breaking down morality. It's breaking down health. It's breaking down finances. It's breaking down faith. It's breaking down hope. It's breaking down our spiritual life. It is breaking us down. Clap your hands to Jesus. Let's look at some cycles because it don't have to be alcoholism. It don't have to be drug addiction. It don't have to be gambling addict. It doesn't have to be a promiscuous lifestyle. If it is, whatever the cycle is holding you from God, you can break it today. Hello? Believe me, I've pastored for 27 years. I've seen a lot in 27 years. But it's heartbreaking to see the same cycle. Hello? There's a backsliding cycle. You know? And there's some that backslide on the pew and never leave the church. Then there's those backsliding cycles. And when people, when they come to pray back through it, People, they people, people are people. They say, well, I wonder how long they're going to last this time. Oh, God, help us to say, God, help them break that cycle. I don't care if they've come here 20 times and they prayed through 20 times and they only lasted a week. God, we're going to bind with them. We're going to love them. We're going to encourage them because this could be the very time that they have broken the cycle. There's a good friend of mine has preached for us. You would know him if I called his name. He, we were in conversation. We worked together for a while. And he said, Brother Robbins, he said, I used to be one of those habitual backsliders. He said, I'd come to church because I wanted to live for God. I'd pray through. 
and it wouldn't be two or three days or two or three weeks or two or three months, and I was back out there. And when I would come pray, people wouldn't even really come pray with me. Hello? He said, but one night we were in revival, and the evangelist didn't know me from Adam. And he said he'd come up, and as I was praying, he stopped me, and he laid his hands on me. He said, I'm fixing to pray a prayer over you, son. I'm paraphrasing. I don't know the exact word to use, but this is what he said. I'm going to pray God deliver you of that backsliding spirit. And that night, my friend prayed through the Holy Ghost. And he's never backslid again. And that's been over 33 years ago or more. He's pastored several churches. He's a retired minister today. But what happened? Something had to break that cycle. I'm telling you, I can't tell you that a light switch is going to flip or there's some kind of magic potion that's going to end it. You're going to have to do your part. We're all going to have to do our part. But I'm telling you about a God today that knows how to break that cycle. He knows how to make us a brand new person. All things are passed away. And behold, all things become new. That's what the word of the Lord said. And that is breaking cycles. Second Corinthians 5 and 17, I'll repeat it again. says, all things are passed away when we're a new creature in Christ Jesus. And all things become new. You know what that's saying, Brother King? Those old cycles are gone. And here's some new systems. Here's some new traditions. Here's some new cycles. Praise God. Hello, somebody. I know I'm nothing, but I broke God through his mercy and a mama's prayers, uh, and I could take you to hundreds more just like me. They broke those cycles. And you know what they did? Brother Lee, they started a new tradition. Their children was not raised around alcohol. Their children was not raised around a bunch of drunks. Their children was not raised around hopping from house to house. But their children was raised on a church pew. Their children was raised watching them pray in an altar. Their children watched them do a work for God. Their children watched them go through storms and lean on God and trust God for the hard times. Hello, somebody. I'm preaching to us today. You can break that tradition, and you can start a brand new tradition. You can say, my children are not going to grow up the way I grew up. My children are not going to be bound to all that I was living in, and I'm going to break that cycle and I'm going to start a brand new tradition. I want them to know how to pray. I want them to know how to love God. I want them to know their truth, the truth. I want them to know what real life is all about. I want them to know there's a God that loves you. I want them to know no matter how bad they mess up, there's a God that will forgive them. I want them to know about the power of the Holy Ghost. I want them to know that they can walk through whatever this old world throws us in and God's going to see us through. tell you, even when you get the Holy Ghost, it don't end the cycle completely. Or they can, we can start creating cycles. Let's look at some of those cycles. And this is people with or without the Holy Ghost in some of them. One of those cycles is the cycles of low self-worth. Hello? Y'all got real quiet on me on that one. I guess here's where I go to teach you. The cycle, I told Brother Maddox this morning, he said, man, you look refreshed. I said, man, I do. I'm, I, y'all better be careful. I'm up for an hour and a half. I said, 45 this morning, 45 tonight. Now I'm questioning that. Everybody said, cycle of low self-worth. 
this is a major tool of the adversary that wants to come against us and tear down our self-worth. There's a scripture in Proverbs. I'll throw it in quickly. It says, it is not, it is not, saith the buyer. And then he goeth his way, he boasteth. And basically he's saying, oh, that, 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 that speaker isn't worth anything. It's raggedy. That ain't even a good name brand, and it's no good. It's probably only going to last another week or two, but I'll give you $2 for it. It ain't worth anything. Finally, he makes the deal. Then he takes that speaker, and he runs over. He said, hey, Brother Miller, you ain't going to believe this. Man, they have been looking for speakers like this. There was only 10 made in the whole world. And this was used by Mick Jagger at his very first concert. This thing is worth $180,000. Hello? And see, the devil tries to tell you it is not. It is not. You're not worth it. You're not going to ever be anybody. You're never going to be able to accomplish anything. You're never going to rise above the cycles that hold you down. And you're not worth this and you're not worth that. And we buy into that lie and we get beat down. And we, we listen to that voice and we give it space. And we're going to say, I'm never going to overcome. Listen to me. I thought I was always going to be lost. I thought I was going to go to a devil's hell. I didn't think I had what it took to live for God and I didn't but God helps us when we get the Holy Ghost it's not in our power it's not in our might but it's by his spirit saith the Lord hello somebody I want to preach to you for a little while throw away that self that low self esteem and that self worth and know that is nothing but a lie from the pits of hell the Bible says as a man thinketh in his heart so is he so what do you think what are you thinking? Now, I know we're not to think more of ourselves than we ought to. But as we think in our hearts, so are we. We become what we think. If we think we can be overcomer, we'll be an overcomer. If we think like we're always defeated, then we're always going to be defeated. If we think we can be successful, we can become successful. If we think we're a failure, we're probably going to always be a failure. If we think we can't break the cycle, we're probably never going to break the cycle. But if we think in God we can break this cycle, get ready cycle, that is about to be broken. This is not a motivational speech this morning. Then there are cycles of bad financial management. I tell folks all the time, I say, listen, it ain't how much money you make. That's going to make the difference. It's how you manage what you make. You, you make little and, and be doing good. My mama proved that. She made $1,360-something, $63 a month when she went to join my dad. She only made 1068 beforehand. And when my mom died, uh, or before my mom passed, she'd have to send money to my brother to put it in safe because she was over the limit. How do you do that? Hello? She managed it. She gave. She gave everything at the church, the cemetery fund, the youth fund, the Sunday school fund, the mission fund, the building fund, and tithes and offering. Every month is the first thing wrote out of her check. That's how she did it. But I've known people that was making tons of money and borrowing from her. Hello, somebody. So if there's a cycle of bad financial management, God can help you break it. 
Hello, we can go by the principles of his word, and we become good stewards of giving. We can become good stewards of, of managing our money, and you can take whatever level of income you've got, and you can manage it, and you can break that cycle. I've seen people stay in debt. I've got to behave. <laughs> Get, is this all right? Oh, Lord, it's 1120. Or 1112. i got eight more minutes. I got to behave. They were so bad. and they, I mean, they have to work extra jobs. But it didn't stop them from continuing to take on more debt. And I say, one plus one equals two. Heavy debt, more debt equals double debt. And the Bible says the borrower is servant to the lender. Oh, I got to hurry. Cycles of unhealthy relationships, cycles of toxic behavior, cycles of having a bad attitude. We can all have that. Cycles of a negative outlook. I told my wife the other day, I said, I got a good message title using, using uh, blood type. She said, what is it? I said, be positive, old negative. <laughs> I wasn't talking about her. I was talking about your, your message. She's very positive. Believe me, she might be telling me that, but she's very positive. Oh, I'm working myself out of that. <laughs> I was sharing that. Let, let me tell you, that, she's very positive, thank God. But you want to tell some people that. Be positive, oh, negative. <laughs> and then their cycle of wrong influences or wrong voices. Their cycles of struggling to keep our prayer life up. Their cycles of struggling to be consistent in living for God. Their cycles of struggling to be faithful to the house of God and to God. Their cycles of major discouragement. Hello? Their cycles of distraction. Seem like there's seasons that people just get totally distracted and forget about living for God. Their cycles of backsliding. Their cycles of being uncommitted. Their cycles of being unfocused. And we can just list on the cycles of life. Hello? But we can break the unwanted cycle. So here, and I'm not a professional, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not any, any of those things, but here are some points I just wrote out this morning. Here, let's look at some ways, and you can add to this. Here's are ways that you can break the unwanted cycles. First, we've got to have God. Everybody say, we've got to have God. But number one thing is we need to answer the why. Why am I doing this? Why? You, you, let me share this real quickly. We'll be out before 12. I'll deduct whatever I went over this morning from tonight. Fair enough? I just ain't going to tell you what I'm deducting it from. Sounds good. You, you, you've heard me tell this, but I need to tell it right quick because we need to know the why. There was a family, and it was the tradition of that family every year at Christmas that the youngest or the newest 18-year-old granddaughter, could it be great-great or whatever, would cook the family ham. So it came time, the new, the young, the one who just turned 18, it was her time. So she's in there and she's got all the recipes and she's doing it just like her mom did it and all that. And she stops and she looks at her mama and she said, Mama, I got a question. Why do we always cut the end of the ham off, the butt end of the ham off? She said, well, I don't know. Mama always did that. So they went in the living room and they asked Mama. They said, Mama. 
how come you always cut the end of the buddy and the ham off? She said, well, I don't know. My mom always did it. Great grandma's by the rocket chair in front of the fireplace. So they go in there and they say, great granny. By the way, my wife's a great granny this morning. We are great. Amen. I'm a great grandpa. That don't sound right. And so they went to the great granny and they said, why do we always cut off the end of the ham, the butt end of the ham? She said, well, I don't know why y'all did it, but I did it because my pan was too short. <laughs> See what I'm saying? We can do some things and we really don't even know why. We just keep on doing it. We just keep on doing it. We don't know why we're doing this. We're just caught in it, caught up in it. It's what we've always done. It's what we've always seen. So we need to ask ourselves, why am I doing this? And is this right? The second thing is we must want to break the cycle. We must want to break it. And then we need to find something we love more than that cycle. Hello? There has to be a motivating factor. We need to find something we love more than just that cycle. Then we begin to let go of it and begin to reach for something over here. Oh, praise God. And then we need to make a decision. Everybody say a decision. We must make up our mind to break the cycle. It's not going to come easy. It's not going to come quick. We've got to make up our mind. We're going to stick with this. We're going to do what it takes. Romans 12 and 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove, that word prove means to live out, that you may live out what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We've got to have an anointing on our minds. Let me tell you something. Our biggest problems we got is in our mind. We either surrender our mind to do this. We either surrender our, our mind to keep doing whatever or to pick something up or to believe something. It all operates in the mind. And that's why we need a transforming and a renewing. I don't care if you've had the Holy Ghost for 50 years. There's going to be weeks and months that we need to get in a prayer meeting and we need to get in the Word of God and we say, God, I need you to renew my mind. I'm not thinking right. I'm on the wrong course here. God, renew my mind because this mind is going to direct my path. If my choices, everybody raise your hand. Everybody. Nobody here did that. Don't matter what I said. Nobody did it without your mind telling you to do it. Shake your leg. I'm not doing hopscotch or what do you call it? One leg in, one leg out. Move it all about. Hokey pokey. Yeah. We're not doing the hokey pokey. But you can't do the hokey pokey without telling yourself to do it. Our mind. Our mind needs to be renewed. God, I want to live for you. Tell my heart, tell my mind, tell my choices, tell my lifestyle, tell my decisions. I'm going to live for you. You know, it was Peter who didn't want to be crucified like his Lord. And they told him, he told them to hang me, crucify me upside down. You know, that was the only time his heart ever got above his head. 
we need to let our heart get above our head. And we need to live for God from a heart's desire to please him and to live for him. Let me move quickly. Everybody say, make a decision. We must seek God to help us. Matthew 7, 7, 8 says, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. For everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth. Him that knocketh it shall be opened. What is this verse? What do I get out of this verse? So often we ask God for help and, and we stop right there. But God said, here's a process. If you don't get it when you ask, then seek. If you don't get it when you seek, then knock. But just keep on trying. Keep on reaching. Keep on crying. Keep on seeking until the answer comes. We've got to say, you know what? I've got to have deliverance. I've got to break the cycle in my life, in my family, in my generations below me. I've got to break the cycle of life. I've got to be an overcomer. And God, you're my answer and you're my hope. And I'm going to keep on asking. I'm going to keep on seeking. I want to keep on knocking. We must face it head on. Next, we must celebrate the wins. We must make new cycles. And we must stick with it until there's total victory. Let's stand. I do apologize for the length of my preaching today. Maybe I ran a few rabbits. But I have felt so, I tried several times to get away from this message. Not, I didn't want to preach it, but just didn't know if it was, you know how you are. And the Lord just kept pressing me, pressing me, and pressing me. And I knew this is what he wanted. And common sense tells us all. We have cycles that we struggle with. Cycles that keep us down. Cycles that just keep being repeated over and over again. Cycles that just keep voices in our head telling us we're never going to change. We're never going to be able to do it. And that's what pushed the Lord to tell Ezekiel. Ezekiel, there's a proverb in Israel. And I want you to go tell them, don't be telling this proverb anymore that their fathers have eaten sour grapes and their children's teeth are set on edge. No more. Don't do it anymore. Every head bowed and every eye closed. There's people in this audience today God spoke to you, and God is reaching for you today to break the cycles that's breaking you. There are those that there are some that have bought into. It's all I've ever known. It's all I've ever did. I've never been able to get victory in this cycle. I just can't break the cycle. We think about Samson, how in the world he keep after she would calling the Philistines. Why did he keep telling her answers or, or playing games with her until finally she got the right thing and she he lost it. He lost his covenant. He lost his eyesight. He lost his freedom. It broke him. We wonder how could he do that? Yet all the while we sometimes do the very same thing. Can I encourage you today? 
God's on your side. You can break that cycle. Come on, you can break that cycle that's trying to set in your family. You can break that cycle. Oh, you can renew those relationships. You can be restored. You can have that victory. Come on, somebody. I want to ask that everybody, everybody say everybody, if you would just come around the front and let's pray a special prayer together. I'm not going to come out and pray 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 for you unless you ask me to or you start to get a breakthrough. But I just want it to be where everybody can make the steps and we can all pray together because we all have cycles. And God wants to help every one of us. And we're just going to bind together right here today. We're going to pray for God to give us the faith, the courage, and the determination to break these cycles that are breaking us. Oh, hallelujah. God wants to help us today. Oh, hallelujah. If you do feel like you want someone to pray with you, just step over to someone you know and ask them to pray with you because I want to keep my word. I'm not going to fringe upon anybody today to make them feel uncomfortable. Oh, but I want us to pray because we all have cycles. Every one of us have cycles that God wants to help us break. Why don't you lift your hands toward the Lord right now if you feel comfortable. If not, just pray ever how you want to pray.